my family was falling apart. Everything that I'd worked for, I'd loved was like out of reach. I started drinking every single day. Woke up one morning. My eyes were yellow, my skin was yellow. I remember even like putting sunglasses on, trying to hide it. I had gotten to a point where dementia started and uh, my mom was trying to reach out, reach out to me, couldn't get a hold of me. And I kept drinking. hits what's going on everybody that was tonight's guest instagram instagram recovery influencer jersey mike i'm daniel unmanageable and this is hard knocks talks coming at you from saskatoon saskatchewan treaty number six territory and the traditional homeland of the metis people let's bring in mike what's going on man what's up man how you doing dan I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Is there anything that you'd like to say before we jump in tonight? Um, thank you for having me on, man. That video you made was was intense. It was heavy. I think you did a great job and I appreciate you, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate you saying that. And uh and thank you so much for joining us tonight to, you know, bring some experience and hope to the to the table. And uh with that, let's go. This is Hard Knocks Talks. Okay, before we jump in tonight, I just want to let our viewers and listeners know that tonight's live production is sponsored in part by Prairie Harm Reduction in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So, Mike, um, how long have you had a social media presence? Going on almost three years. It's hard to grow on Instagram, man. Like, yeah, and you're up at around like what, like 40,000 followers? No, not even. I'm at like uh, like maybe almost sixteen thousand followers. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's still really good. I don't mean to. Sorry, I didn't mean to like step on yeah. you like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's it, Instagram is, is is its own little beast, you know, and TikTok yeah. and each platform is its own little thing, you know. Yeah, it, and it it's tough. Like it's tough to grow on Instagram for me, especially. So why did you like? Why did you get started on Instagram? Like you came into recovery. Um, was it an outlet for you or like what motivated you to start like sharing your story? I'd say like, even in the sense today, I mean, today I take it a little bit more, more seriously. I'd say in the last year, I've taken it a little bit more seriously in the direction of where I'm trying to go with it. But initially what started, it was just in a therapeutic sense was like, um, I had just went through this traumatic event in my life and COVID was also occurring at the same time when I woke up from my coma Mm -hmm. and um, my kids were also uh, being homeschooled. So it was like, in that sense, being at home, they were messing with TikTok. My son was showing me stuff and I just decided to start like recording myself and posting it for my family and friends to see and from there um i started thinking in my head that if i if i didn't survive if my liver didn't make it that at least my kids could kind of uh use use my social media come back to it and and kind of uh you know revisit it and and see my spirit and see my good spirits and our good spirits through it all you know that was the idea sort of a a time capsule so to speak yeah, that's exactly what it was. Like a nice little time capsule is how it that's, started. That's beautiful, man. I don't think I'll, I'll never look at your at your social media presence the same, man. That's that's beautiful. I love that. So why don't you? Uh, why don't we go back uh, to before all this happened? Uh, when did this all get started for you? When did your journey with substances start? Was there was there using and drinking at home growing up? Uh yeah, my parents. Uh, my my mom didn't drink. My dad drank a lot. Um, everybody in uh, the older older people in my in my family drank a lot. Um, and there was a lot of like drug use through some of my uncles. Like 
heroin, stuff like that. But in my teenage years, I just, I think I experimented like everybody else. I wasn't a big fan of alcohol. I hated the taste of alcohol. I never mm-hmm. really enjoyed the taste of alcohol. But later in life, I lost a cousin of mine that was very close to me. And that was when I really started going deep into coping with alcohol. It so, was. Before we get too far ahead, tell us about like the first, so what was it like the first time? Like where you said you grew up with, with like heroin around and stuff like, is this things that you saw from a young age? Uh, I never saw the drug usage, but you know, we, we would see like the, the aftermath, the stuff, you know, yeah. um, uh, we took a trip to Florida, to Disney world, the big family trip. And it was, one of my uncles got sick on that trip from, from, uh, from using and uh he was he was sick he wasn't doing well he ended up he ended up fatally passing on that trip on that family trip to disney and me my cousins uh my sister we were all together it was like it was it was pretty fucking heavy this disney trip that was like this amazing family beautiful thing and um ended with uh osbury and my uncle wow uh and a couple years later, me and my cousins started to experiment and 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 cope with those things in a mm-hmm. in a negative way. We we all had a lot of aggression. I had a lot of aggression. Uh, I was you know I just had a lot of shit going on. My dad was never really around, and um, I started to escape. You know with. Uh, weed and coke and all of that shit like probably freshman year in high school i started really what was it uh what was it like the first time that you got loaded was it like a warm blanket or i mean some people hate it the first time what was it like for you i i didn't like it it was uh it i i I guess i liked it in the sense it was at a party i felt very socially comfortable i felt great in that sense i was in I remember it being in end of eighth grade, I was at this girl's party and I felt great. Like I could talk to everybody, but I, I felt like shit after when I got home. I didn't really like myself. I thought it, I felt like I did something wrong. Yeah. And do you um, think maybe that's, that's because of what you witnessed, like with your family and, and things like that? Yeah. Cause of what I witnessed and what my mom used to try to instill in me, she used to always, you know, always instilling me drinking was bad doing drugs was bad you know i went to a catholic school uh mm-hmm. uh up in the eighth grade and all of that stuff was just heavily you know dare program all that stuff don't do this it was heavily seated in me that this was all bad stuff mm-hmm. so yeah did you graduate uh what <laughs> from there no from school from high school Oh yeah, I graduated from high school. Yeah, I graduated from high school. High school, I, I I used a lot in high school. I did a lot of coke and 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 drank and stuff in high school and did extremely well in my in school. I did mm-hmm. really good in school. I was able to uh, to juggle everything, to to party, smoke weed, and do coke and and keep my grades up so my mom would let me still go out and do my thing. Mm. So you got, you kept your grades up so that you could go out and party. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That was the deal. If my grades were bad, I couldn't go out. Uh-huh. So I had to figure out a way to party and still have good grades so I can keep yeah. that social life going. A little while ago, we had a guy on, and I forget who it was. They like half of his graduating class <laughs> did MDMA and they had like the second highest SAT scores in the nation or something. Who was that? I'm afraid I can't remember. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were going, when you were in high school and like you, you'd mentioned that you, you'd felt like shit, uh, after the fact, but you kept going, like, did you see yourself going down a darker road or was it always sort of like, nah, this ain't a problem. I'll just do it this time or this time. Uh, I always saw myself going down a darker road and I, I always would kind of choose to go down the darker road. I was very rebellious. Mm. Um, I'd always look for problems. Uh, I was, I was always looking for shit, you know, and my dad who wasn't really around, um, 
it was just my kind of way to feel masculine at the time. At least that's what I thought, you know, I felt in control. I felt masculine kind of. Were you getting in a lot of fights? For- I got into a lot of fights. I, I, a lot of, nobody really kind of fucked with me. Nobody really messed with me. It wasn't really um, like I was fighting all the time. Nobody really bothered me. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to uh, say much or do much. People kind of just stayed yeah. away. So how did how did things progress then? I mean, I know you jumped ahead there a little bit, but like, how did it how did it come to that? Was it a slow progression to where you? Uh, forgive me. You you said you lost a cousin. Yeah, when I was older, yep. Yeah, and and is that where things like were things already going sideways for you by then, or is was that like a tipping point for you? Um, things were already going sideways. Like there was a lot of death in my family, you know, from that Disney story that I told you about that we were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, next had come a cousin that was that that had been murdered at a at a after hours bar, and like uh, there was just there was a lot of I, I felt I feel like there was a lot of death in my family, and a lot of that. Uh, made me and this one particular cousin of mine, Mark, who isn't with us, but he passed later. Mm-hmm. Me and him were very close growing up. We kind of rebelled together. We 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 did everything together. We went in the shit together, like as far as all the things we tried and all the ways that we rebelled and and I don't know, we were very close, just like, mm-hmm. you know, best fucking friends. And the way that we handled the deaths the deaths that were occurring in our family and uh kind of like what we felt was a little bit of lack of guidance from our our parents we we used and we Mm -hmm. used a lot you know we partied we partied a lot like that was our that was our thing we 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 would push the limits with whatever kind of drugs we were doing or Mm -hmm. um was and there purpose, and and no you know and knowingly so doing it you know okay we could die we didn't give a shit we were you let's trying do it. let's see um i don't think we were trying we were we were we were trying to have a good time but if it happened i don't think we would have cared mm-hmm. at that time yeah so what um now we we in in the beginning in the intro there uh we saw what where where this took you but were there ever any like stints of clarity did you ever did you ever find sobriety or or recovery or whatever you call it for any amounts of time before it came to a crashing halt there i did uh when my first son was born i had a a year of sobriety that i was uh i didn't drink i had some clarity I found I found my spirituality from like my childhood again when he was born. It it, it was good for for a little bit, and then mm-hmm. I'd say as life kind of went on and I got I got comfortable, you know, um, success came. I did better at work, and money came. And as I got mm-hmm. more comfortable with this like life that I had built for myself that seemed stable, now I was like, let me drink now. I can do the barbecue thing and I can do the dad having a beer, you know, thing in the armchair kind of. Yeah. 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 I went right back into it and, uh, you're not that dad. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I, I was, I was a functioning alcoholic for so long. I I was a functioning drug addict and alcoholic in high school. And I I did amazing, you know, Mm -hmm. with my grades, but, uh no i just always used alcohol to cope always you know it would be like starting off with a barbecue and then of course i'm drinking the next day and then the next day and yeah yeah it was just always a it was always a fight there was never like a easy ride where i was uh that dad that just has one beer and flips a burger and goes to bed and it's great no yeah i could never do that man so how did you do it like how though this this stint of of recovery that you had your 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 son or your child was born did you seek any kind of therapy did you do meetings like 
how did you mentioned you found spirituality? Uh, how did you come around that? I went on a religious retreat. It was uh, a cousin of mine was going. It was a weekend retreat, a Catholic weekend retreat. And she was like, do you want to go? And it was a last minute kind of deal. And I was, everybody in my family was fed up with me, mad at me. Nobody wanted to talk to me. Uh, I was just like, fuck it, I'll go. Uh, I agreed. I tried to bring enough alcohol with me to drink during the retreat and that didn't work. Mm -hmm. I, I, <clears throat> I strapped up like six pints of vodka and taped it up to my legs. And I went through that like the first night because I knew Oof. they take all your stuff. You bring a bag, you can't bring anything. So I brought as much as I could and drank most of it. And then I was really sick the next day. And one of the, the priests there, uh, this guy, Father Nuno, he was a really nice guy. He actually saw me going through withdrawal because I was about to run out of there. I was about to jet out of that retreat the second I ran out of alcohol and I was getting sick. Uh, and he pulled me to the side and we talked. We talked for like five, six hours and he calmed me down and convinced me to stay. And I completed the retreat. And by the time the retreat was done, two more days had passed. And a lot of my, my symptoms had, you know, the, the worst of them had went away. And I got back home and kind of said in my head, like, okay, I made it these three days. I can do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I rode that wave for about a year and didn't, didn't touch alcohol. Just and white, white knuckle, so to speak. Yeah, white knuckles, so to speak. Yeah. So, I, I, so how was that? Like, was it, were you living a fulfilling life? Like, were you feeling good inside or was it like a constant, like 100 miles an hour in your head? I, it was a constant 100 miles an hour in my head still. Uh, it was very difficult. Uh, I still had a lot of social issues and anxiety issues. I, I couldn't really, uh, that was one thing that I, I struggled with a lot. Like I couldn't have people over, mm. you know, I, or I couldn't post or I couldn't do these sort of things or go to events. Uh, I just had horrible social anxiety. You weren't afraid you were going to drink. You were just, the anxiety was too much. Yeah. I guess the overwhelming anxiety of like, uh, really caring what other people th thought of me, like uh, how, how I am socially and, uh, what kind of person people think of me as and all these things that used to just eat me up before, before, uh, I'd go anywhere and alcohol used to take care of that for me and yeah. just kind of put me, you know, wrap a seatbelt on and I'd be okay and not think with, uh, deal with those thoughts. And in that year of sobriety that I had, I never, I could never figure out my my social anxiety issue i i couldn't deal with it back then uh mm -hmm. it was it was one of the reasons why i kind of steered back in the direction of making excuses for myself to get to go back to drinking yeah so how long did it take once you once you you know you popped the you pulled the cork out again uh how long did it take before things went sideways about eight years Wow. Eight you held years. it, eight held years. it together for eight years. Yeah, I did eight years. Uh, my youngest son was one when I started to drink again. And then he was, uh, he was going, he was turning nine when I, when I went into my coma and I, if it didn't go so, so South, the, the, the very last year, Maybe could have held it together a little longer, but I'm happy I didn't. I'm happy the way things played out. Mm -hmm. So rock bottom was a was a luxury that you managed to uh, to attain and escape from. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, you mentioned that your family started falling apart uh, when we talked before, and that's when you like when you really got into it. What were like? What was it that that tipped you over the edge? me me and the mother of my kids we i think we we had issues like most people have but we mm. we both drank a lot mm. and through the years it kind of was like tag you know either i would be 
either she'd be fed up and be like, we got to stop. I would take an, an initiative. She'd follow, we'd stop. One of us would dip back in, I'd jump back in. It was always like, we're always like just chasing our own tails with this. And, and we were doing it together for so long. It, it, it was it was tough and blaming each other and attacking each other. And, 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 and it, it was just a battle. It became hell. Our, our relationship became hell. Life became miserable. Mm-hmm. And while the kids were babies, it was easier. I feel like, because, you know, you got these like beautiful, you know, balls of love running around the house. And even though you might be drinking and doing these things, you kind of have this positive thing going on that you could focus on. But, Kids get older, babies grow and and start to talk shit and real problems start and <laughs> messes happen and these, you know, these beautiful things become yeah. you know, harder to deal with. And oh yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, it's not it's not just a, a bundle of roses and like it, it became a lot for us. And I feel like the last couple of years we were scrambling to do anything to save it. I even picked up and moved to Florida to do anything to save it, like change the scenery. Let's do whatever we can do here to try to make this work, except cutting alcohol out. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't like cutting alcohol out was not like we tried everything. We moved, we, we did this, we did couples therapy. We, we did, we did every turn in the book. Uh, but we, we couldn't commit to just stopping the both of us. I think at that point we were just too unhappy with ourselves. You know, uh, too unhappy. I, I know I was so unhappy with myself at that point. Yeah. And the the tipping point was when in 2019, that summer, I, I found out that I was being cheated on. I found out there was like infidelity happening. And when when all of that played out to me, there was like uh, there was no coming back from that. And then it just got dark after that. Things got that everything yeah. went south. Yeah. So, and and I can suspect that's when you started having medical problems. You ended up in the hospital. Um, wh- do you remember anything of that experience? Like, tell us what it was like coming out of that. Like when you when you came to and you realized where you were and you realized what had happened. Like, what were what was going through your head? Were you like, oh, I need a drink to get through this, or were you like, no, I'm done now? I was very calm. Uh, I didn't. I didn't need a drink. I didn't need anything. I was very, very calm. I was very thirsty. Thirsty, thirsty, thirsty. I was so thirsty. I didn't drink anything. That's like it's like I had sand in my throat uh, being asleep that whole time. But I woke up in uh, a very peaceful, like state of bliss. I was. It's like I was levitating. I couldn't feel my legs. I was in the, I couldn't feel my legs, you know? Yeah. Honestly, like, uh, it really felt uh, very, very uh, amazing opening my eyes. Yeah. So even though you were in that condition, would you say that it had somehow felt like a weight had been lifted off your shoulders? I mean, surely a near a near death experience like that might put your other sort of worldly problems in perspective. Like, could you agree to that? I, yeah, man, I woke up, I felt lighter than I had ever, ever lighter than I had felt. And I couldn't even remember since probably since a child, it, it was like, it was all out on the table, everything, you know, my family no more hiding. was there. No more hiding. No, everything was out. Like there, everything was just there in the open. It felt amazing, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so much so that, like you know, I was able to just randomly cry when I felt like it and express that. Where I had been holding all that shit in for years and years and years. I, you know, I wouldn't have cried to anybody before that experience in, in yeah. the situation I was in, unless I was completely intoxicated. It was just. It was magical that and 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 yeah, the way I was dying two hundred and seventy pounds physically in the most unhealthy shape I've ever been in my life, but inside my spirit i felt i felt renewed uh, angelic 
amazing. I felt like I was reborn. Got a question coming in here from Chris. Chris, thanks for the question. Chris asks, how long you were in a coma for? Almost three weeks. About three weeks. We've got Mikey B. What's going on, Mikey? Thanks for watching tonight. Mikey says, wow, I felt the same way. So what was your first, what was your first year like in recovery? Did you, what did you do different this time that like helped you find the life that you have today? I went through more problems. I went through, I went through a lot of stuff my first uh, year after this happened. Yeah. Within like uh, three months, my eyes turned white and my liver, my liver got better. Uh, it started to show as like normal function on, on blood results. And mm -hmm. the, all of that was, was amazing. It was great news. And like with my health coming back at that time and my skin going back to normal color and everything kind of going back to normal. Now I was kind of dealing with, uh, with this new life that I had, that I was single now and rebuilding myself and trying to find myself. And did the, did the resentment come back years, towards who? Towards the person that had cheated on you. No, I wouldn't say, uh, that there was the resentment came back, but it was like where I kind of was at that point. I was like, I, 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 I feel like I was this little phoenix but still in the ashes i didn't get up yet i was still just like uh still in the ground dusting myself off i was a mess but i was still like there's something pretty under here and i'm gonna figure out what's going on and i started going on dates and trying to because i hadn't i hadn't dated in 10 years you know i'd been with one person for 10 years and now there's dating apps and now there's like all this stuff i had never known about and <laughs> I, 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 you know, it was all new to me. And, and, and now I'm like, uh, refacing this new part of my life, uh, healing physically from what alcohol it did to me. And now also walking back into the dating scene, which is heavily, uh, you know, impacted with, with alcohol and, and, and drinking and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So in, in doing that after about four months of recovering, I went out and I had another drink. I drank, I took a trip with a buddy of mine at that time that I didn't know what was the full deal in the long term with my liver, but I knew at that time it was almost like a bucket list kind of thing. I was like, Joe, let's, let's go. And I'm like, I want to go do this. And he was a little uncomfortable with it at first. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, if you want to, I'm going to go anyways. And uh, he took the trip with me and for like a couple of months there, I got lost again. I got, I got lost in the sense of uh, a different way, but lost again, where I was out on this dating scene. I was out going to strip clubs. I was out uh, trying to party my way back into kind of finding this character in myself being single and i wasn't happy with myself i i had resentment towards myself at that point i was like what are you doing right now for going back into what it the fuck? yeah i was like what the fuck are you doing right now like really yeah like, uh you were just in a fucking hospital bed dead uh yeah. you know four months ago what the fuck are you doing right now number one and like Two, do you really need this shit? And it, it it sat with me and it was like something that I felt like I needed. I needed that like re, retouching that too. I don't know for me, whether it was getting out of my system or just reassuring myself that that was not what I wanted. Um, I got sick of that shit and, and, and then walked away from it again. Hmm. Um, had enough of that, that, that summer. Um, so it's still, it's still, uh, a battle, you know, it's still something that, um, it's, it's something that only recently I'd say last year in July, when my uncle passed was the last time that, 
that I had a drink. I had a drink when he passed away. And up until before that, even on my, my social media, I used to always kind of explain my sobriety in the sense of, you know, it's something that I do one day at a time, but it's also something I reserve the right in, in my choice and what I want to do and what I feel like doing, because I'm somebody that has huge, I have a huge problem with authority, especially with authority for myself in this whole manipulation game in, in, in our heads that we play sometimes. Right. Yeah. Um, but I recently had another episode, uh, health issue last year after my uncle died where I needed colon surgery and I almost fucking died through that shit. That was a really intense, intense surgery. And, um, after that experience it, it, I feel like it's the first time in my life where I walked out of that situation, being comfortable, um, accepting the authority of, of feeling comfortable that I don't need or want alcohol. You know, mm. um, I don't need to reserve that right anymore. Like I used to, uh, because I feel comfortable with it now and it's taken a long time to get there. Even, even in me almost dying, I didn't walk out of that, you know, saying that, but, um, that's where I'm at now. My headspace. Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, and, and you mentioned this on, on Instagram, you, even today, I think. So you, you're engaging with therapy and things now, right? Yeah. Like is, so how long has that been going on and, and how has it served you? Like how, how is it, how does it help you get your thoughts right? I've been doing the therapy for two years now and it, it's been helping me as far as, um, going through the traumas that, that I went through in right after that experience I had in my coma. And then I, I went out back drinking. I, I was extremely mentally unstable after that whole experience. I didn't even realize it back then, you know, but walking out of that coma and then, you know, four months later going out dating and all of these things, like my head was kind of all over the place mm -hmm. and therapy gate, like therapy helped me process all of that and put things into perspective of, what happened to me um kind of slow everything down because everything happened so fast i almost died so fast literally my eyes turned yellow from one day to the next went into a coma one month next woke up from the coma three months later i'm out here trying to go dating four months later i'm out here back at a club all of this happening like this and i'm just like what the fuck has happened in the last year to me mm -hmm. and you know therapy just helped me process everything, put everything on the, you know, the table, look at everything, reflect mm -hmm. on it and slow everything down. And like, well, take a step back and you're going to mm -hmm. die again. If you don't just, fucking, <laughs> if you just keep running. So, um, yeah. Ther therapy has been great. It's been awesome. Yeah. So did you ever have any experience with like, like AA or anything like that? Uh, no, I didn't. And I always like refused it. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, my, my sister had done AA for years. Um, it was something, like I said, authority, you know, it was, it was like, uh, or ego, you can authority, ego, all of, all of those things. Um, something that wouldn't even uh, allow me to go into those places. I've done AA meetings, you know, since my, my, my incident, I've, I've done some, I don't, I'm not in them a lot. It's not something that I do all the time for myself, but it's also not something uh, that, that I'm against. I've actually like jumped in from time to time just to hear and uh, experience uh, one, one that my friends uh, go through on Sundays time to time i'll jump in and, and and listen when i feel like i can pull something positive out of that yeah man um pinpoint one thing and and maybe you can and maybe you can't uh what has helped you the most you know outside of therapy when you're living your daily life 
and maybe you, your thoughts start going sideways and there's no one else around, like, where do you take your, your mind? Like what, what helps you the most? That's, that's tough because like, if you look at my track record, I always make bad choices. Like the one that like got in me. <laughs> I go places, to the strip you know, club. Like, <laughs> after I almost died. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I know, I know, I know for me and I, I don't know about for anybody else, but I know for me, anytime that I've had a, a, a drink or what some call a relapse, you know, uh, something like that, like these things to me, in my eyes, always, even after what I experienced, try to have grace with myself on one of the things that almost killed me was was how I felt about myself, how negatively how I, I felt about myself, how much resentment I had towards myself when I was drinking, how ashamed I was of myself, that it got to a point that even after my experience almost dying, I found it to be counterproductive to be harsh on myself if I relapsed. I found it to be just like, this doesn't make sense for me to um go into this hole and feeling like crap and and restart counting days and mm -hmm. um all of this intense shit that kind of puts people in a place they can't get out of sometimes when they do relapse and i feel like those moments are blessings your you know your your relapses or whatever you want to call them even even the dark times we go through, these are like blessings. They're they're there to remind you, reassure you that, you know, mm -hmm. that's not what you want. And if you have to put your hand by the stove to fucking realize that, like, I'm somebody that has to learn the hard way and experience things um, myself to learn things. I feel like me having grace to myself and and treating myself with mercy, forgiving myself is one of the biggest things that helps in my sobriety because I'm not carrying a bag of luggage of fucking hate towards myself for for things that I do that others might judge as wrong. You know, um, that's a, a big one for me that I think uh, mm -hmm. resonates because people sometimes tell me like, hey, you know, I drank last week and I feel like shit. It's like, that's, that's fine. Well, guess what? You, you feel like shit, you're aware, you feel... You know, you feel something right. You're feeling yeah. something good. And now stop yeah. feeling like shit and smile about it. Yeah. Where's the lesson? Where's the lesson? Yeah. So uh, just going to take a quick break here. I just want to let our viewers viewers and listeners know that tonight's episode is also brought to you in part by Naranon Groups in Regina, Saskatoon, and Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. To learn more about all our sponsors, check out our upcoming live streams or our recorded audio releases and more, visit www.hardknockstalks.com. Com. Let's look at some comments. We've got Vicky or Vic. Sorry, Vic. Thanks for the comment. And that's a really cute puppy in your picture. <laughs> Vic says AA is amazing. Is an amazing program, but unfortunately, it's not for everyone. With that being said, recovery is always possible, especially after having the awful experiences most of us have been through in our lives, thanks to addiction. What else do we got here? We've got John. John, thanks for the comment. John says, that's what I had to tell myself. I'm going to die if I keep going down this road. So thankfully, the creator gave me the strength I needed to pick myself up a year ago. And now he has to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, good night, John. <laughs> so brings up an interesting point. Do you believe that there's something out there bigger than you that wants good things to happen, that wants to guide you? I do. Definitely. Yeah. My coma reassured that for me. I was I was like a religious person before my experience, uh, but also a skeptic. You know, um, I was very, very uh, kind of all over the place. But my coma, yeah, don't get me started on that topic. I'm all over the place with that stuff. Yeah. Did, did, you, did you meet something in there? Yeah, I, I, I feel like I had a whole a whole ride, a whole experience from the second that I was asleep, kind of being outside of myself a little bit, roaming through the hospital. I was really? seeing family 
practice and stuff like that. I was actually even uh, trying to use in this like outside little reality going on while I was asleep and anything I was drinking or, or trying to intake wasn't working. And it was very fucking frustrating. Wow, that's incredible. Was like, I was going through the hospital and, and looking for drugs, looking for alcohol and what I would find in cups and I would drink would do nothing and i'd be like breaking glasses and getting upset it was very repetitive and loopy from what you have explained to us this evening you see the lessons in things how do you interpret that how do you interpret that experience i know that's a pretty deep question that, i don't know that, that 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 i i take i took it as like that basically if i didn't accept that that wasn't gonna fix my problems i was gonna stay in that loop I was going to stay in that kind of loop for a little bit, that limbo of mm -hmm. this, like uh, you enter one door and pop out at the same door again mm -hmm. and with the same results and same consequences and because you don't get the lesson and you, mm -hmm. you're back again and you're back Doomed. at the bar asking for it. And um, I feel like it was on repeat until I accepted it. And I feel like what I experienced while I was asleep it, it was like, uh, if I didn't accept it, I wasn't going to wake up, so to speak, or come back kind of shit. Oh, hmm. uh, let's, uh, let's see what else we got here. Oh, we have Dana. Dana, thank you for the comment tonight. Dana says, uh, thank you for all your honesty and sharing your truth, although it might not look like what other people might think. Thanks for the comment, Dana. We've got Alicia. I'm really grateful to hear your story. It's definitely an inspiration. I feel like for every addict in recovery that I get the privilege to hear their lived experience. We are less isolated. We are less alone. And all our stories have echoes of each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like that's this whole, this whole community is such like a, a beautiful ex exchange system from the people that inspired to the ones that are inspired. It, it just goes back and forth. Anybody that I've ever spoken to that shares their story with me, it's such a, uh, a beautiful exchange. Like mm -hmm. it, it's crazy how many people I'm friends with that I've never even met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, like I've heard, I've heard that before from uh, creators uh, on, on Instagram. Uh, there is a beautiful recovery community over on Instagram and like a very engaging one too. Uh, so many of the creators, you know, you, you, you comment on one of their things and they could have like so many comments, but they'll like, they'll respond to you. You know, it's, it's really, it is, it's a beautiful thing. So, yeah. So you're a dad now, yeah. I mean, you were before though too, but like tonight you're like, oh, I can't jump on as soon as I'd like to because the kids and stuff. Tell us about what it's like being a dad in recovery. Um, oh, it used to be it, it used to be easier when they when they were younger, but now <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, like when they're, now they're when jerks. They're younger, you can say it. Like I'm gonna can... say it. I'm gonna say it. Now they're jerks. There, I said it. Yeah, there. they yeah jerks. <laughs> they have attitudes and, and, yeah. and they you know stomp and it's like they have the ability to like almost like uh i don't know they're just especially my sons they're like uh they reflect me when i was younger so it's like yeah i want to vomit too at the same yeah. time I'm like, yeah. uh. <laughs> now i know why my dad yelled at me <laughs> it, yeah it's like i have to live through those moments every day yeah know? and you know and i say I, i'm I love my son. Of course I love my son. He's a beautiful little boy. And like, he, there's so many great experiences, but I know what you're saying. Like sometimes, you know, like they, as they get older, they develop this attitude and then they start talking back and like, we grow right, right along beside them. Like, do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. We it, grow with them. You know? Yeah. We grow with totally. them. It's, like, <laughs> it, yeah. it's, uh, it's like a time where, <clears throat> you know, they're learning one lesson and, from us and they're teaching us one in the same at the same time <laughs> you know i've often said that my son is my greatest teacher and i've been saying that since he was three years old because he he totally is like he i don't think there's anybody that knows me well maybe donna knows me that well but but um 
nobody knows me better than my than my son. You know, he he sees me when when no one's looking. You know, so um, definitely, it's been the biggest and most rewarding challenge of of my life is is being present and being a dad. You know, because I I don't know if you ha I don't know what your experience was, but I experienced child apprehension, right? So I I was unfit, and and they they took my son away from us. So. Uh, to have have that back now in my life, plus a daughter now as well. So I was just gonna say, you thought you were out of the woods now that Grady's that little bit older, and then yeah, Kendall here comes Captain along. Chaos. <laughs> <laughs> we have a four-year-old little girl, uh, very very full of energy. That one, <laughs> yeah, never lonely when Kendra's around. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, usually pleading for mercy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So are you, um, are you single dad? I am. I am single. Um, and one, one other thing that I, that I was gonna, uh, put out there is that my, my kids were, were the ones that helped me in my, in my recovery. They, mm -hmm. as, as far as physical recovery, like my liver and stuff, like when I, when I got home, I had to do these, uh, IV infusions because they sent me home from the hospital because of COVID. They were, they were scared that I was going to die in the hospital because of COVID. So they were like, you have to get home and uh, we'll have a nurse come see you a couple times a week. But it was my two younger boys that at the time I was like, wow, this is horrible that they're going through this, you know, that with me. I couldn't even believe that my kids were like taking care of me, pads and pee bottles and stuff. And changing ivs for me but it was like uh it was the most intense bonding experience that i've ever ever had in having my kids take care of me uh like i was yeah. their kid you know bringing stuff and uh, it was so humbling it was uh it was such an experience that um you know, I see the positive from it today, even though as, mm -hmm. as traumatic as an intense as it was for all of us, and I'm sure very much for them. Um, was it tough for the, did it take a while for their defenses to go down? Like after, after you came out, uh, was there like, we don't know if we can trust you yet or, or were you welcomed home right away with open arms? Uh, I was always welcomed right away. They, um in in our family structure uh i was always closer with my my children than the, uh, their mother mm. and this whole little period where i was sick um and kind of gone um they were like kind of not they couldn't wait for me to get back or you know see if i could uh get home or um uh, whatever the case was uh at that at that time cool man um, so let's look at a look at a couple more comments here and then we'll then we'll let you head out on your way man we've got sober now thanks for the comment sober now i i should know her name but i i don't wonderful person though <laughs> uh she says uh, our kids also see us through a clear lens. I learned so much from mine to I'm so grateful to have my children back in my life. But the teenage years, oh boy. Yeah, we're just coming into those now. We'll report back in five years. How old are your kids, Mike? Uh, my older son's about to be 12 and my younger one is nine. Mm. So. Yeah, quite an adventure. Oh, uh, well, work and sports, you know, by myself. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, and then trying to date. You know, by the time I go to work, I wake up 5 a.m., I get home four o'clock, make them some food, basketballs at six, mm -hmm. get back at eight. No time. Who's going to talk to me? Who, who's going to talk to me for an hour before I'm ready to? Yeah, and you're you know, all like on your like, like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah like nothing works. Nothing works. I'll be single forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've got Alicia saying kids are always present 
it's a great way to stay in in grateful and out of a whole model <laughs> mode <laughs> sorry <laughs> i think i got i think i got what you were trying to say <laughs> yeah yeah so kids are kids are the best thing same with animals nature the kindness and unconditional you know and like i talk shit right i'm like oh kids are jerks but man like i'm a jerk like <laughs> <laughs> he, he gets it from me <laughs> that's so. the, that's what gets me frustrated is when i i'll see my older son and be like i'll see his mannerisms and his attitude and it reminds me of myself yeah yeah and i i want to i want to unteach that behavior from him because i already mm -hmm. don't like it about myself and then that's where boom we clashed it's like, yeah oh. you know what my you know what i've noticed kids are good at though is forgiveness you know, yes. they'll be mad as hell yeah. for a little while. And then like all is forgiven. It's, it's the most miraculous thing. Yep. I've learned so much. So anyways, man, uh, I think we're coming to the end. Is there, is there anything that you'd like to leave us with tonight? I guess, you know, just for anybody out there that's working on their sobriety, you know, like have, have mercy and grace on yourself. Just love yourself that's what we're in this for is happiness and to and to love ourselves and we can't be too hard on ourselves so any part of the journey is exactly that part of the journey there's no bad parts like the, that's mm. how i like to look at it there's no wrong parts to the story every wrong part is a lesson is a part to the is a lesson so yeah it's it's all part of it cool man that's all right well Thanks so much for joining us tonight, man. I really appreciate you taking the time and, and jumping on a little early, as early as you could, and getting the kids to bed on time and uh, and uh, sharing your journey with us, man. We appreciate that very much. And uh, yeah, take care for now, my friend. We'll see you again. Brother, thank you for having me on, man. Thank you for everything. And the video came out awesome, brother. Thank you. <laughs> right on. Thanks, brother. Take care. Take care, man. All right. If you are getting any, if you're getting something out of what we're doing here, you can find us on all audio platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts or live and interactive right here on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch TV. Thanks for watching. Take care, my friends. Hey, this is Hard Knocks Talks. <laughs>